Welcome to the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast, a ministry of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church, where we sit down with small town leaders who are making big time impact. Welcome in to the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast. I'm Heath, uh, the uh, campus pastor of our East Campus here at Lindsay Lane, and I'm joined, as always, by our North Campus Pastor, Alan Ostrisky, and our lead uh, pastor here at the main campus, uh, Andy John King. So what's up, guys? You had a good day today? It was good. Busy day today. Busy day. Yeah. Super budget, busy. Budget season. Right. That's right. Hey, well, I mean, at least uh, we didn't add anything else to our plate today, an already busy day or anything like that. Uh, but hey, man, we've got an incredible guest. We're excited uh, for you guys to meet today. Uh, Alan, why don't you go introduce him, man? Yeah, so uh, I wanted to introduce one of my friends that met throughout ministry working in the high schools, uh, working at Athens High School, actually the first priority, uh, Kenny Brinkley. I got to know him. Uh, he is the founding pastor of Remnant Church International Ministries, uh, which was founded back in May 2013. But he's he's bivocational. He's got he's really a mogul of sorts, man. He's an entrepreneur. He's he uh, owns Kenny's Cuts Barbershop. Uh, so y'all can't see him, but I promise you, he's got a fresh cut uh, that he's repping here. Uh, he also owns Brinkley Inc. Screen Printing, Obed Enterprises Incorporated. So the man does a little bit uh, of everything. But he's it's also his, his birthday boy. So he had his birthday yesterday. So we are we can think of no better way to celebrate that, obviously, than the bottom shelf podcast, right? So. Uh, this is our gift to you. The Bottom Shelf Podcast yeah. is our gift to you. That was what we heard. That was what you wanted for your birthday. So uh, we're just we're just here to grant that, man. Uh, well, man, we are going to talk some leadership stuff, and and just um, there's, I mean, every time every every leader we've had on has been has had a list like this, but there's some things that are unique about about what you do, and I'm seeing multiple businesses there uh, as far as entrepreneurship, and so I'm excited to have some of this conversation with you, uh, Kenny, and just uh, kind of jumping in. So let me tell tell us a bit about your family first. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. I'm honored to be, you know, in you guys' presence, such honorable men, you know, that I've known, you know, Alan, First Priority, and uh, Andy John, and my first time meeting you, and I can tell already you're a great guy. So thank you all for having me. Um, my family, well, married to my wife, Letitia, 23 years. We got married in 1999. Um, three kids, and actually three grandkids. Um, my sons, Jamie, uh, my oldest daughter, Sky, and my youngest daughter, she's 16. Sky's at Calhoun, and Hannah's 16. She's at Athens High School, Junior. So. That's pretty much the family in that shell. And you can't see that you can't see this because it's a podcast, but this is one of the coolest looking granddads that, that you'll see. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. God if God blesses me to be able to be a granddad one day, I just know I, I was gonna say something like I'm gonna hope to be as cool looking. It's not I just know it's not gonna happen. <laughs> so give you credit on that, man. What if you got your haircut? Tell my kids. <laughs> yeah, that. that's right. That's cool. Hey, well, Matt, one of the things we want to talk about uh, about with you, Kenny, is just uh, what about your daily routine, man? What, what I'm learning quickly uh, about leadership is that, uh, and you've got to have a good, to balance all that you're doing right. uh, and to do it well, you're going to have to have some good daily personal routine. Maybe it's not a daily, but maybe a weekly or a monthly, whatever you want to go into. But what does your routine look like in leadership? Um, my daily routine, first of all, I try to start every day. Of course, what, what most of us uh, Christian men are going to do that with just some time with God, uh, spending time with God. Um, then 
physical exercise, exercise, um, working on, you know, trying to eat healthy, do those type of things, the natural side of things and um, making sure that I have a schedule. That's the thing. And I think um, that daily schedule is always a work in progress because you're kind of uh, I'm you're getting a feel for things because as life changes, um, you kind of have to evolve with it. But my primary structure is don't look at Facebook. Don't look at anything before I spend time, you know, uh, trying to get instructions. You know, we try to pray, read my word, um, uh, try to settle things in the spirit realm before I take on any day. And um, that's my first thing. And then from there, um, try to have an outline already predetermined for each day. Um, and then do my best to um, attack that outline that I make, whatever it is, and um, make an agreement with myself that I'm not going to be too disappointed if I miss something. You know, yeah. that's kind of my, uh, to try to stay stress-free, be ready to release things. And that's kind of my approach. I want to be able to tackle, the, I make a list of the most important things that need to be done. And I generate that list from Godly principles and godly values because I'm trying to give myself less room to deviate from the course, you know, and um, ultimately my only goal is to please God with everything. That's the businesses. That's everything. And I try to keep myself grounded in that way so that even if something doesn't work out, I still please God in the end, you know, so that's kind of a hopefully that's kind of giving you a shell of how I think and how I um, my logic for attacking each day. And I'm constantly like I said, I'm constantly evolving, looking for better ways to improve that schedule, my rest time, my, uh, the time that I wake, all of those things are in constant states of development. But my perfect day would be a day where I, I rose at the right time, went to sleep at the right time. But, of course, you guys know that doesn't always work that way. But I try to keep that as my standard set because I know I'm realizing more and more now you need some physical things to stay in place if you're going to be spiritually successful. Yeah. yeah. Do you find – do you find – uh to, did you find yourself in a weekly routine as well, like we were doing similar things on Tuesday, Wednesday, or is it just every day you're looking at a, certain, a new list of things? Well, I try to form, I try to form um, like I said, it's all in a constant state of evolving, yeah. evolving but I, I try to have a weekly routine or at least set myself every week. Um, in the past, before I started the ministry for years, I kind of got in a, you know how it is to get into a, um, I guess, a, I would hate to say a slump, but you get into a such a life routine to where it's just work. Your routine becomes work. You know? I, mean, I don't and, know anything about that. I don't <laughs> and I've had to I've had to break the ministry first forced me to break away from that is because or one reason is because um, it's not all about work. You know, and I had to, and to in order to accomplish certain uh, goals and certain things, certain priorities, I, I had to challenge other things that I was comfortable doing and time slots I had for things. I had to kind of make room for more important things. So, um, yeah, I, I find myself now setting my days. My weekly schedule would be what I plan to do each day. And because there's so much going on, you guys know what the dynamics of a ministry, dynamics of a family, dynamics of a business, that if you don't be intentional and write stuff down make, make schedules, uh, time tree, uh, administrative stuff. If you don't do that, there's going to be some things you miss. And it can even, it, the importance of things doesn't matter if you don't plan them. Because you can say, well, that was, it wasn't that this was more important than that. When you don't remember it, they all fall in the same category, you know? So um, I try to make a schedule to where I, I can make the most important things happen. And the things that I know are going to be routine, things that are, 
necessary for me as a pastor, necessary for my businesses. I make sure that I put those things in that weekly, like this has to happen on this day. That has to happen on that day. And, you know, um, kind of flow like that. But I, I am in agreement of a weekly, even a monthly and an annual, you know. Yeah, that's cool. But like I said, I'm evolving. But I, I like it. I like having structure. I'm a person yeah. that structure. I thrive in structure. I got you. Disorder, all the numbers change. Blood pressure, cholesterol, <laughs> you know, everything changes. Weight. It's just structure is mine. I love being able to have things lined out. And, you know, everything's not always that way. Yeah. The more structured it is, and I try, I'm trying to learn how to set more of my own structure. And then, you know, when God decides he's going to guide my steps, be free enough and be liberal enough to say, hey, God's taking over now. Stop. Yeah. Sometimes I had a bad habit, and I'm sure everybody struggles some with being so hands-on that I'm forcing it. And God's like, no, this is me. This ain't the devil doing this. I'm changing this, and you're praying against me. So just leaving, leaving spiritual space. And I think that time with God helps me open up to where I can release things. When I know that it's more me wanting to happen than God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I I think about the tyranny of the urgent all the time. You know, for a pastor, I think one of the things I was unprepared, I've been in a ministry context for some time, right? A lot of ministry experience, but for me, like one of the things that, that I really struggled with was setting those Standard, setting those priorities and prioritizing my time um, as it as it relates to things that are most important, because the tyranny of the urgent will dictate a lot of times our schedule. If we're not willing to set that, if we're not going to be wise to prioritize that time. And and I don't know about y'all, but like for pastors, just the scope of everything that we think of. I just feel like pastors are notorious for like constantly being scraping the bottom of the barrel from an energy standpoint. And so like, man, I'd be interested to to hear feedback from all of you guys on, on ways that we can combat that ways that we can, we can work against that, that drain. Because ultimately if, if, if God has called us to rest, which he, he has, right? He, we are to put our, his, our yoke upon him, and he is to give us his yoke. That doesn't only relate to the people that we preach to. It, it has to relate to us as well. And so what are, what are ways that we strike that balance? I have no idea. Yeah, well, I was going to say, man. Like I don't know if I, I have anything of that today. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, man, when I – I know a lot of people listening are, are going to be like me in some ways of like, I, I need, I need more structure because I thrive when I have structure, but man, just I'm not going to make a ton of excuses, but at the end of the day, structure takes time to sit down and, and actually get structured. Like it's, it's awesome. It just happens. Um, nature naturally moves towards dysfunction. And so you have to fight against that even in, even in leadership. And, um, and so I think if people are listening to this and they're going, Dude, I, I don't know what in the world Kenny's talking about. Like, I ain't got any of that kind of stuff. Uh, like, don't be intimidated by that, for one thing, because start somewhere, I think. You know, I mean, you your, your day's not going to look tomorrow like Kenny's does. Um, and so just just be willing to start somewhere. Start with some sort of organization. Uh, that's one of the things I just tried to uh, trying to implement in my life now is is that that uh, daily and weekly to do list. I mean, right. just to jot down a few. What are those big things I want to get done today? What are some of those things I got to get done the next few days? Right. Um, and that's just a simple step that that I know has helped me a ton. Um, 
And uh, I think it would help everybody listening too. If that's, if that's not where you right, are. Right. And I haven't mastered it. Now. I'm just, <laughs> I've just learned the importance of it because I realized that if yeah. I don't do something, the things that I want to accomplish won't happen. And I, I, I myself, not only with my goals and vision in, I may come to the end if I don't get some type of, uh, you know, some structure that makes sense to like, like uh, Alan said, you know, the Bible said we were called to rest. And that rest is a rest. We, I'm realizing it's a fight. That's spiritual warfare for pastors. Yeah. It's a spiritual warfare for your rest because if the enemy, you got to think about it. He doesn't like us because of what we do. We're, we're shepherds of the sheep. We're one of the um, standing symbols of his greatest enemy, Jesus. Yeah. And we're loving the people. And so the, the more he can weigh on us and get us worn out because he knows we're giving our life to the sheep. And of course, I'm sure he's going to try to use every door, every window. And that's what I saw it as. He's using every door, every window. And, I, and, and, and please be glad if your life is not like mine, because I'm constantly working on it and I'm juggling and I'm, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I've gotten better, but I got a long ways to go. But I know it's, I'm going in the right direction yeah. because if you don't, if, I'm learning that if you don't set certain things, it's like God told Adam, named animals, right? God has given us the authority to do certain things and the things that we don't take authority to do are left open for the enemy to do what he wants to do with. And so when you say it, God's going to honor it. So Adam named that stuff by the authority God gave him. I couldn't name anything without Jesus, you know, and I'm not worthy. But when I say, well, hey, I, it took a lot for me to start writing stuff because everything in you starts like, well, that ain't going to work, you know, or, you know, what if this happens or what if that happens? And then once you try it a couple of days and then it don't work, you're like, well, it ain't working. You try to scrap it. Yeah. But really, it's just right. You were right to try to form a plan because without a vision, you know, the Bible said the people perish. So yeah. without a vision, your day would perish. That's right. And you could find yourself spending more time doing nothing because you didn't plan to do something yeah. and you wasted a day. You know, and I'm, I got a lot of time to redeem. You know, the Bible talk about us redeeming the time. I got a lot to redeem because I've had to grow. I'm still growing at this. I mean, it was, it's, 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 um, it's, it's pretty wild how the enemy will, will take our, our day because you got a family. You know, you got to think about it. I mean, is it family or church? Is it in, in, in God's book? It's all of it, but there's a time and a season, you know, and learning how to, how to do that so that we're fresher for the people. Now that's what motivated me is that if I rest properly and say what I can do for better for my people, that helped me to kind of help say, well, I need to get a schedule. And then I have to process what I miss because everything you miss, you know, Mary, Martha, Jesus, you'd have been here. I can't think of a greater reason to have been there in his schedule, but he wasn't on a schedule that says my priority is how urgent people need me. And I've been that way in the past. There's plenty of things. I, it was urgent for people, but it wasn't urgent for God. And I didn't see it that way. And I've, Run here, run there, run, you know, and I decided that I just want results. Yeah, and I think, man, that's just in, I got like 14 years of ministry, four, yeah, 14 years of ministry now for me. Like, that's what I've seen take down more pastors than anything is what yes. you just said is what's urgent for the people becomes urgent for the pastor without seeking the Lord and making sure it's urgent for the Lord. And, uh, and man, that, Golly, I hadn't thought about that, but that's, that's, and I, I find myself there, there, you know, somebody's pushing Hey man, I, what about this? What about this? I've got this going on. I need you mm -hmm. to be here. You know, your kids at your church have ball games. Students have ball, like all that stuff that's urgent to every one of them. Um, but that's a wrestle. I mean, I, that, you know, as the saying goes, what's urgent is not important. And what's important is not urgent. Right. We find ourselves working on the, uh, the urgent, every day if we're not careful so that's that 
time aside to, to actually look at look at things from a thousand feet above and see where, where we need to go instead of where we are. I I know for one too. I, I take it personal. Uh, I take it too personal sometimes. The knock on pastors that you guys work once a week and you know you're always on the golf course, even though my golf game doesn't improve, which shows that I'm not. But um, but seriously, I for for me, I, I I probably take that too personal. I probably put too much expectation on myself. I'm like. If if that is the perception, I want to change your perception because we get after it and we're always on call, right. you know. Like and there's like this pride, part, yeah. There's like this pride part that that bubbles up within me, and, and that's really to a fault um, because it's you know I'm I'm not the sum total of what I do, but but who I am, and that rest as I see it in Scripture is the the rest that God intends for us to have only happens in Christ, that's right? He is the fulfillment of that no Scripture. Yeah, so so it doesn't matter if I if I get everything done today or I don't, or if I live up to your expectations of how I should work or I don't. Right. Uh, I'm in, made in the image of God and restored to a right relationship with God through Jesus. But exactly. and that's a dependency on Christ, right? right. Like right. so, so that's the problem. Left to our own in our own flesh, mm-hmm. we're wanting to achieve, we're wanting to accomplish, we're wanting to see these things happen. Um, it may or may not be what Christ has has led us to, and that that priority there is is what's so important. I, I think about Charles Spurgeon, who talks about uh, he well, he doesn't talk about it anymore, but he anymore. did. Uh, he he talked, you know, he had these young Spoiler seminary alert. guys. Yeah, yeah, he had one of these uh, young seminary guys that asked him about his schedule, and he's like, "Man, what do you do when uh, you know to start your day?" And Charles Spurgeon was like, "Man, I, I pray." I pray for at least an hour every single day before to start my day. And they're like, yeah, 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 that's great. But but what happens on a day that you really got a lot to do? And he's like, then I pray for three hours. Right. You know, like we just don't, we don't view, we care, we, we want to be God of our own timetable, I feel like, of our own mm-hmm. schedule. And we don't, we fail to recognize in humility that God is sovereign over a work week. Like God is sovereign over that, and and I just think burnout, man, like is so prevalent in pastors. But we had to have missed God somewhere. That's God is too good to to lead us to burnout, you know. And so and so, where have I missed it? Where has my pride gotten involved and my kingdom taken the place of God's kingdom work? I think to me is the questions that I'm asking more and more. Yeah, and I think. Man, you're hitting on something there. I've never heard of. Well, I have. The only honest leaders who burn out are those that take, that admit it's their own fault. Like I've, most leaders that I hear burn out, they're blaming somebody else. They're blaming if it's a pastor, they're blaming the congregation. They're blaming you know other pastors around mm-hmm. who do, who lead differently or whatever. But at the end of the day, like you talk to God, get clarity of your purpose and your role, and and as as we've been talking about, get get control of your time schedule and uh and it may be a process of getting your people to understand why you can't be there at everything that they want you to be a part of and and but yeah you have to do that i mean Some, sometimes and we talked about this a little bit earlier but um our, our people don't expect us to be at everything they don't expect us to do everything i had a guy tell me one time he's like you know you don't have to be here right like he's like seriously you can go home man like we know you are doing all kinds of things it's totally yeah, yeah. fine and and can you mention that earlier as we were talking before the podcast, just that there were people around you that helped you to take the time right to rest. Right. You speak to that maybe a little bit. Yes, I think that's a, that's now, gentlemen. I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. That's the thing that Spirit was dealing with me on, even as we talk. 
is that pastors need pastors. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the pastors need to be fed and strengthened. And, and a lot of times now in our society, pastors mm-hmm. all, we get on islands to ourselves. And even like this, this is a lot of strength to me. Being around you men of God, it's, it's strength to me. And we we need to be fed and need to be empowered and um, look at the um, structure and order of things in the kingdom as God, as Jesus said it, with the, the ministry, the fivefold, everybody's gifts working um, and, and yielding ourselves, opening up ourselves to say, well, hey, I am a pastor, I'm a leader, but I'm also open to be fed myself, you know, myself, whether it's conferences, like you were saying, you're looking at the Charles Spurgeon, I love looking at all those old older um, documentaries and things because um, I do believe that pastors uh, pastors need to be rested, pastors need to be fed, pastors need to be pastored, and uh, I mean, when it comes to congregations, congregants, mature ones would be like you said, Pastor Andy, um, Pastor, go take care of yourself. You know, they can see because they realize, you know, everybody don't realize, and, and sometimes what God blessed me to know is and, and start learning is everybody's not on the same level and everybody's not sent by God that comes to our churches. And so while we love everybody and we want to bring in everybody, they're going to be wolves and sheep clothing and they will run you for the darkness, for the dark kingdom. There's two kingdoms, kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness will be someone who's not really close to God, but they are antagonizing. They are trying to, the spirit in them, is trying to press the pastor or make the pastor or making whispers and things. A lot of things that the regular membership would never see that pastors carry. If I'm on the golf course, on the golf course, and I got the weight of the world on my shoulders, that's harder than being at work and just doing some <laughs> typing on a computer and sending an email, sending a fax, going to a business meeting. There's no comparison because you don't leave. Your flock stays with you everywhere you go. And so there's not, you only rest in part of you. They get the rest, go on vacation, they can drop, and they got to understand. But God wants, I see a season, honestly, where God's going God's gonna to allow pastors to get the refreshing they need because God wants to bring the people to a certain place. I don't believe all of Moses going up on that mountain was just for him and God to talk. God wanted him to get away from them folk, I'm sure, for a while to get what he needed, you know? Yeah. And so if God had him playing nine holes up there, whose business is it? He came back to do the will of God. And what we're what we're to do, I'm, it helps me when, because sometimes when you go through things, and I'm sure all of you guys, all the years of experience around this table, it does press you when you allow it to. It presses you into prayer, presses you into things. But when you come out of those prayer seasons, you come out strong enough to say no to some things, strong enough to, and that's what I believe is happening and has happened to me. I've gotten strong enough to take a rest where, you know, in times past, that side of me wasn't built up enough to know, okay, there's a part of this that ain't trusting God to why I don't want to rest. It ain't trusting God and I'm, 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 I'm trying to me- measure up to somebody's expectations. That's not God. I'm supposed to bring you the mail every Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and keep your petition before heaven. And I'm standing in the gap for you as a pastor. Find a place you can pay to do that or anybody that can do it. Only somebody. Listen, even if it's a great preacher, I tell my people, I love T.D. Jakes, love all of the televangelists, but nobody else can be your pastor but me because I'm here with you. T.D. Jakes, you're a shout. You're a shout over him preaching, but if I told him your real life, and he had to deal with you, he would deal with you probably even more harshly than I'm dealing with you. Does that make sense? So we do, Pastor, you, you, we do. And it's hard on your heart because you love when you, people don't realize we're human too, right? 
So that's a great, to me, that's a great part of me. My leadership involvement was understanding man, you're human. I love God so much to love. I, I, you can get into self-condemnation, into so many different things that, that burden you down because you're trying to perfect something that's already been perfected. And you carry weights that we can't carry. And so if my main goal, and if a person, like I'm blessed to have people around me now that say, well, pastor, listen, we need you to be strong. We need you to be uh, 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 refreshed because we need you to bring the right things from heaven. What we say Sunday mornings, people don't, don't always realize it, but what we verbalize as vessels is saving, is, is save the lives of everybody that hear us when they see us properly. And really, me personally, if I got a pastor, I want you on the golf course every day if it's going to bring the word of God to me and the, and the deliverance to me when my kids are sick, when I'm hurting, when I'm, because see, the, the power that we have as pastors, we don't really get to realize it because we so weighted down and we, and we see sometimes so many bad examples like the cops. The cops take a bad rap because a few cops do a few wrong things and that doesn't make every cop bad. It's leadership, leadership is, God said, I give you a shepherd. And you follow that shepherd close enough to know your own shepherd so somebody else can't tell you something else bad about your shepherd. But if that's your shepherd, stay close enough to know this is my shepherd, you know? And for us as leaders, that was a great word, man. Be strong enough to take a, to take a rest. Yeah. Like, we've got to come to the point as leaders where we recognize we're not God. Like, that's, that's the point of us being an under-shepherd, right, to the great shepherd, is we the good shepherd right is we we are not infinite that is why we will never be perfect pastors it's why we'll never be perfect leaders we'll never lead perfect churches the people that we lead won't be perfect um but but be strong enough to recognize where that power comes from right. you know that it comes from the lord you, you brought up mary and martha and I, that is a huge thing for me recently uh, you know, Mary and Martha is that case study of work and worship, right? Like, like Mary, Mary is sitting at Jesus's feet and Martha is doing everything in the world to try to be a good host. And she, he comes, he comes to her and says, you know, she, or Martha comes to him like, Hey, look, there's jobs to be done. Like it's all fine and good to sit with Jesus, but vittles got to be made, right? We've got to somebody, yeah, y'all going to want to eat in a minute, you know? And so Martha comes in to snatch, tell, tells Jesus to get after Mary and he says, Martha, you're concerned about many things, but one thing is important. Mary's chosen the greatest portion, and it's not going to be taken from her. And I started thinking about that like as a pastor. How much, what was Martha thinking about whipping up in the kitchen that the bread of life couldn't have satisfied? Like, what was she, what kind of beverage was she going to serve that the living water couldn't have met that need? Uh, you know, was she cleaning a portion of her house that Jesus, who makes all things new, could not have cleaned in an instant? And we, Martha missed God's provision, missed Jesus's provision, because she was busy trying to provide for herself. And I just find myself in that trap all the time. Like, I am producing when ultimately anything worth producing is going to come from him, not from me. Right. Yeah, and I think, man, um, I got to go and be a part of, like, a conference thing and have these breakouts. And one of the guys, he actually wasn't even a pastor, but he's been talking with pastors and encouraging them. He's just a member of a church up in Franklin. And uh, what he said uh, to, to us in the group was, as all these pastors that I've been talking with, he said, 
a lot of them are tired and a lot of them are burnt out. He said, what I see is they're missing two things. They're missing community. Um, they're in, they're a part of a church, but they don't feel like they can be a member of the church too. Uh, so they don't have any friends. They don't have that friendship. He said, and the other thing um, is they're missing someone speaking into their life. It's what speaking into your life. I take suggestions from those around me. I listen because God can use the whole body. But when it comes to dictation for me as a pastor, I look up and not equal yeah. or below, if that makes sense. I'm serving everybody, but I don't, I hear their advice and things, the people around me, my leaders and ministers, but the dictates comes from someone that I know is more spiritually mature than me That's right. because they can see, they can see higher than someone that hadn't been on that level. And so I, I, I they could have probably said it, but they couldn't say it with the weight of someone that has the authority. And when I say authority, it doesn't mean you say your name is Bishop First Potent, uh, Potentate, uh, Pope, you know what I mean? Not like that, but spiritual way. You know, you know when someone's been there, somebody's been battle tested, somebody's gone through the fire, and they're on a different level to see where you are. And God lets you know who that person is because it's like the woman at the well. They say things that nobody else would even be able to say because you hadn't talked to anybody about it, but it meets something in you that you've been talking to God about or shows you needs, shows light on needs that you didn't know you had. So in that sense, they had to show me because I was so stubborn. You know, there's a certain element of stubbornness that come with being driven. And so I was so driven that it had a certain level of stubbornness that it took somebody, sinning enough, almost like in a prophetic way, had to see enough to make me break that shell because I wasn't trusting anything enough to let that guard down. So, yeah, that's when I say it needs to be someone that's been there, someone that you, you know, and someone that you know, um, and that your spirit agrees. And sometimes your spirit, you may see somebody and be like, well, they're not spiritual. They can't. But when they open their mouth, there's something else happens that ain't got to do with you and them naturally. And so some, the, the hierarchy, I always submit myself to leadership. I, I've never a pastor that don't say I want somebody to be over me. I want to submit myself to somebody that can speak into my life, somebody that can correct me when I'm wrong, somebody can tell me to sit down when I act crazy. Even though I started it, I still submit myself to a covering. I want a cover. So, How have you grown in your ability to, to give away responsibility to those under shepherds? Because um, I know there's, it probably started with a smaller group or even just you of ministering to the people and doing those things. And so did you find it easy to begin to give stuff away? Very hard. Yeah. Very hard for me. Yeah. It's very hard for me for a number of reasons. Some of them were good. Some were bad yeah. because I, in some ways I'm a perfectionist, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of hard on myself. So I, when you're too hard on yourself, you'll find yourself sometimes being too hard on other people. And then sometimes I wasn't hard enough on other people and when they or, or I say I may have not have been as consistent communicating gotcha. uh, the specifications and the growth of people that needed to be handed responsibility that I, where I could delegate you know so it's just like this if I, if I can't delegate to you now then I need to be able to train you to the degree to where I can delegate it to you and if you're not acceptable of the training then I know the delegation would never really be I won't be able to, but I did have to learn that there is a, a time where you should delegate. Yeah. And I, and instead of just not seeing what you want and not delegating, yeah. go back. God sometimes wants you to build what you need to use in people, yeah. grow, help them grow to the point they need to be and still delegated to them. So yeah. that was tough for me. That's 
delegating or, or not doing everything myself because I'm one of those people. It needs to be done, I'll do it. Because yeah. I've done everything in ministry from parking lot in, I've done it all. And I don't mind it. And because I don't mind it, sometimes I do it. And it's almost like a parent and a child. The child still needs to take the trash out. You're doing it because you know that they didn't do it. That's not helping the child develop. So, right. yeah, that was tough. That's what I've heard before, you know, three D's of, of, of relationships with others and dumping where you just give you just dump responsibility with very, and there's certain things you can do that, but then there's also delegating where you trust entrusting responsibilities and tasks to specific people, but then there's developing. And that's exactly, I think that's the one that we never get to. And we try to delegate something to somebody like you said, and it doesn't go well. And then we go, all right, forget it. I'll just do it myself. And, um, and man, I find myself there often in, in my life and pastoring and the home. I mean, a bunch of different ways. And uh, what about you guys, just as far as, as your life and ministry? That, that, that one, the development part, is the part that we should do first. Um, mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times the reason why we want to just take it ourselves is because we have this high expectation of how it should be done. Yeah. We've, we feel like we can meet that expectation. So to give it someone else um, – would mean that they're going to do it differently or not as well. That said, if if your name is at the top of the sign, so to speak, or you have a lead role um, and, and you are trying to establish a culture and you want certain things done a certain way, then that development has to start as soon as, as soon as you sit in front of them, you're laying out expectations. This is the things that we value. This is where we're going and we're not going somewhere else. And, and then it becomes right empowerment. I mean, you, once you have, lay the groundwork for development and expectations, then you are empowering them within the, um, the first square, the first circle of things that we've set. Then from there, you know how we work off that this is our foundation. Now you're free to go and make decisions. You know, still accountable to the, to the leadership, but, but now you, you know that you have people. This happened recently, and I, um, and I think this all goes back to as well how much time we spend with leaders, which is probably another podcast. But there was a couple of people uh, recently at a big event we had at church and I overheard them say, uh, referring to, to myself and like our lead staff, they're like, they won't mind or he won't mind. And they made a decision based off of that. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And they were exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have minded ever and didn't mind. None of us would have. And But that is a reflection of our expectations, our development, mm-hmm. the time spent with leaders so that they know. Uh, yeah, they'll, they're going to know what to do when the decision comes because we've already addressed it. Right. But uh-huh. but. You know, if we don't take that time, we're basically just going to be like, we'll just direct them to me. And then we go back to the rest conversation because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're doing everything. That's great. Well, you said, you know, the, why, don't we, why don't we develop people? Because it takes the most time. And we are fighting a lot of times for limited resources and time. And so, and so it takes the most time. So I don't have time for it is what we tell ourselves. Going back to what you said, Andy John, earlier about – the urgent and the important. Right. We got to recognize and prioritize the importance of developing those things in others instead of allowing the urgency to dictate that we don't have time and we've got to do it ourselves or we've got to just dump it on somebody else. Right. How do we provide that margin for our leaders, our volunteer leaders? One thing it does help when I take breaks, I tell I do give my elders breaks. I tell them, hey, Take your week. I gave my whole praise team a break. And this past for the first time, I told all of them for a month, no musician, no drummer, and no singing. 
All the words were on the screen and played through the sound system. And then what I did was challenge my membership. And we had some of the strongest demonstrations from God when everybody started singing. And I told them, I know you ain't used to it. Open your mouth. Because the praise team is not a uh, not a concert, yes. you know, and, and when when God sees you get involved, you say something, even if it don't sound good. We're not going to give you a mic. We know it's not your gift, but let your voice come out. It's like in the shower. Anyway, it give them a break. Give everybody a break. That break's okay. So that's something new that I implemented. It is a good reminder for me, though, that uh, I, I think I do, not from the pulpit every Sunday, but I'm thinking about the, a lot, all those folks that, we know could contribute, could serve. You can do something. What are you doing for the glory of God inside the body of Christ? That kind of thing. But um, man, there's a lot of folks that really do get after it. You know, they they serve in the local church, and they do. They, you're right. They and now that again, there's there's also those folks that serve to keep from coming into the sanctuary. There really are people right. that they serve yeah. to keep from hearing God's yeah. word because it's yeah. going to convict Martha, them when they get in there. Martha, that busy person, but they need to come right. sit down. They need to hear it. That's, yeah. that's right. That's another lesson for another day, but. Well, I'm in a church plant, and so I was at a church plant that really started going during COVID. Wow. And in in COVID, it gave people an opportunity to look reevaluate and look back at what they're doing and their involvement in church. And so I'm at a leadership meeting uh, or in a leadership home group with our, our folks, and I'm going through and getting their testimony about church experience. And those that were solid in their faith, like had been in church for a while and you know, had come from another church. Every testimony without fail was every time I came to church, I was a children's. I was not a member of the church. I was a member of the children's ministry. I was a member of the tech team. I was a member of the preschool department and I always served. And, and, and literally I had one leader tell me, I am worried about being in leadership in this church because I don't want to go back to that. And, and, and so I know that that's on us as pastors to make sure that we're providing that environment where people don't feel like they're having to keep up 80% of the work with 20% of the people. Right. Like we've, that, that vision has to constantly be in front of our yes. people um, because we've got to protect that. We've got to protect that culture. Um, otherwise, the urgent will dictate we need to kill our volunteers and, you know, and, and, and don't we want our leaders to be the most spiritually mature, the most spiritually healthy people that we have in our church? Well, that comes by building in those margins somewhere. Right. 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 And I think without modeling that well yourself, right. you know, you can say it all day, but if we don't model that from the seat we're in, um, then people are going to replicate what they see more than what they hear. Right. And, uh, and they're, they're going to be busy just like us and tired and, and burn out. So. I guess that's the goal is to get everybody into that serving. That's one of my goals. And they come in teaching them that it's a blessing to serve yeah. and that it's going to, it should cost you something, but it should be a, if it's a hundred people, everybody should be involved in some way so that the burden on one person is not a burden that could be avoided yeah. by somebody else just helping. You know? yeah, we're probably afraid to preach on rest to our people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it. I guess what I'm not saying is, is you know, everybody take the day off. Uh, like, uh, but I mean that that every too. leader comes to you the next Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won't do that rest thing. Yeah. You know what? Sabbatical for the year. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I know. I find myself wanting to set the example of service, just like you guys, and um, to preach on service comes up around. And I know I've, Adam, I've heard you say before you 
preach your uh, passions in your prisons and uh, to preach on rest is it would be difficult at times, you know, to because like you're, you're going to have to you're going to have to have your toes stepped on during the week from the Holy Spirit before you actually utter it, and then yeah. you've got to to live it out. And like you said, hey, too, I know uh, not everybody that listens to this is pastors. Um, but everybody has to deal with this for sure because I know a lot of close friends that they they grind all the time, man, and and it can, um, you know, the Lord can, or I should say that the the enemy can really work against you through busyness and and through identity or just you're not spending quality time with things and people and that you should, right, right, yes, and, and pastors, I mean moms and dads. They're pastors at a home. Yeah. You know, they're having to lead their, their local homes. So they got to learn how to take mom and daddy time. And daddy's not, that's not, take dad time just as a man. Dad time ain't a bad thing, you know, just rest. Uh, so now it comes to Andy John's favorite part of the podcast, which is the end uh, where we hit some rapid fire questions, Kenny, okay? okay. These are just going to be basic questions. Some of them may be uh, about uh, local culture, um, and uh, some of it may be make you think just a little bit, but we're looking for quick answers. Uh, some of them may be controversial, which I love. I love your, this is the easiest part. Dude, of I was, thing, I was going back and listening to last month's podcast, uh, in preparation for launching it. And I forgot that Alan said he hated dubs burgers in that podcast. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's launching in October. Uh, so just be prepared <laughs> for hate mail. I mean, November, okay. um, don't put bread in your, prepare don't for put hate bread mail. in your meat. I never get it. I never got it. That's what, well, got it. It should be he's saved on, he's once on again. Fine, that's fine. Mike to say. I won't ask about those. I'm just saying this is a local podcast, and and it should be said that I'll take all the Dove's burgers you can bring me. Amen. All right. Amen. Just, just saying. All right, here we go. Uh, I always, you're a basketball guy, right? We've we've yes. established that before. Uh, played a little college basketball. Played at Athens mm-hmm. High School. Uh, greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan. Thank you. Gosh, there I like you even more. Um, <laughs> Favorite number? What's your favorite number and why? Um, seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Mm-hmm. And is that do you have any? Well, I was born in seventy-seven, and a lot of things in my life happens with two sevens. There you go. Always the most significant years have been two sevens have been involved. So. Uh, what's your favorite drink? Oh, on a pump. Hey, sweet wow. tea lemonade, man! Wow. Great answer. Pandering to the that's right. You're hitting that, John. That's right. That's great. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Uh, what scares you? It's a deep one. <laughs> I didn't write these down. This is straight off my phone from a website I found. What scares me? Probably would be um, failing God. I was gonna say mice, but that one's that one's a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> a lot deeper. These, y'all, if I say something, say y'all are talking about golfing a whole lot. Do you play golf? Kenny continues to answer these golf. questions this way. They're going to be not, sharing. I'm not a, a great golfer, together, though, but I love Top Golf. That's one of my favorite. Top golf. I love that. Yeah. Uh, favorite favorite local place to shop or eat? How about that? Favorite local place to shop or eat? Athens. In Athens. Yes. Yes. Right now, I think it's Burrito Express. Burrito Express is good. I give the little cups of salsa. Mm, heavy cilantro. That's good stuff, too. Um, we should ask him a barber question. Yeah, yeah. Um, what does that look like? 
I don't know. Like I don't know any. I don't know enough barber lingo or or favorite cut to do. <laughs> My favorite cut to do. Oh, okay, that is one. My favorite cut to do. Probably mohawks. Mohawks. Yeah. Anybody want to want to do that? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, favorite TV show. Favorite TV show. Hmm. I don't know. I... Or do you have a favorite movie? Three hundred. Three hundred. All right. So I'm gonna go ahead and. Uh, do you know Jarman Leatherwood? Do you know Jarman? Of course, we're all friends with Jarman. He's a friend of our church. Every time, every time I ask the favorite movie question, I'm gonna tell him that we'll probably have him on the podcast sometime. But his his answer to that. Do you remember that? It was like the Mummy. He said his favorite movie it's ever the was, mummy. is the Mummy, and I was yeah. like, "It's like several of those, right?" I, who yeah, knows? Yeah, because yeah. who watches those? There's a I was long period of time, man. Like, yeah, I mean, like on. he he said the Mummy, and I was like, "Greatest actor Are you going to waste your Brandon answer Frazier. on the Mummy? What was the Rock was in the second one, wasn't he? Who knows, man? Was, man? Was, 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 three hundred, three hundred. Scorpion King, Rock. Yeah, he acts like he don't know, but he knows. The three hundred, though. That's that's. Like Thermopylae the Pass and the, the Spartan. Spartan. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I got you. That is so symbolic. Such a spiritual thing about that to me. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, are you, a little grimy. Are you gotcha. a uh, Auburn, Alabama fan? I'll say Alabama. But, you know, I'm not going to bring your tree down or none of that type stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> <You know? laughs> now, our basketball got like a... But I, do, I am Auburn. I, I mean, I do... Um, uh, I am an Alabama fan. Yeah, okay. Sure. You got a favorite NBA team? Boston Celtics. Really? NFL Patriots. Okay. Never been to Boston. He's Never been to Boston. All the money here. Boston Celtics. You like the Yankees too, don't you? <laughs> baseball. No, I'm Dodgers. Just, excuse me. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm not really a baseball. I, I, I never got into baseball like that. But I do. I've always been a Patriot and a uh, the Boston. I got with Boston. The Boston Celtics thing was a. Uh, I was uh, about 90, 89, 90 Lakers, Boston clash. Everybody was going for the Lakers, mostly in my household. But I got an older brother that was like a local star at the time. He was like a big star in that city. And I, I like looked up to him. So he went for Boston. I'm with him. Boston. Always. So I've been with him ever since. Even though I know this, I always forget. Gillette Stadium. I forget that that's in Boston. Like the New, New England Patriots. Oh, it was years. I'm in Boston. Yeah. Like I, it was I years before I knew that. that. Just because it's in Boston. Like, can we me. not get a little more specific about our – yeah, that's true. Uh, I I do have to call you on something though. You said you've always been a Patriots fan. Patriots. Are you talking about like you've been a Patriots fan when they had the white helmets with the Patriot? With like he was snapping a football before Tom, Tom Brady. Brady and, oh, okay. yeah, Tom Brady. With Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> I was like, man, the they were bad for a long time. Back when Tom they Brady? had, um, well, back, before Randy Moss and all that, I was with the Patriots. You know? Okay, yeah, I like. So it goes way they back. They were winning. Tom Brady. It was Tom Brady's era when I started, but I wasn't always in the football. Because a lot of people, I'm, I'm from Mississippi, so people are like, you're not Mississippi State? Well, I, I was in, my son was in high school, and I went to a camp with him. Uh, he went to the Alabama camp, and he was there with Saban, and I was listening to him talk to the kids. And that's when I really started. And I, probably when Saban got there. There it is again. That's Every got, leadership that's podcast we have, his name that's what brought me. Up. That's what brought me. When I heard him talk to the kids, I told my son, I said, this guy is going to win a lot of games. And I said, it's because of the principles he's giving these kids will work anywhere. 
And so this is the time I usually Andy pitch Jones. Auburn, but it's it's now it's not the time Andy to do Jones, it. Let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about Harson's <laughs> oh, away. Uh, uh, Cadillac's gonna do okay. Yeah, yeah. Y'all didn't give that coach long to try, did you? The new coach. I was surprised. John made the call. I don't know if I should comment on this. This is divisive. You're Auburn. You're an Auburn fan. I am an Auburn fan. We both are. Yes, I heard they had some powerful alumni. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Heath and I will be on a plane later to talk to them about. Yeah, Andy Jones sent some emails. I had a game, and they they got rid of Arson. Yeah. It's the podcast, man. I mean, like this is the money generator for Auburn sports, pretty much. One day we'll have Saban on. We'll we'll uh, get him around the table. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, Kenny, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. And uh, man, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun just uh, talking with you. And anything you guys have to close? Thoughts? Yeah, I have one thing. Uh, I, I always want to invite people to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church, but. Uh, I've enjoyed sitting here listening to you, man. So if you guys want to have a church home, and, and we'd love to invite you to Lindsay Lane, and I want to invite you to uh, Remnant Church in uh, West uh, Athens, right? I mean, wow, go yeah, go by and, and see Kenny, open. man. Absolutely. Yeah, what time service Sunday? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. 7 a.m. I mean, 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. Awesome. I was about to say 7 a.m. if your church is at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. is that's yeah, getting that's after it. <laughs> Sunrise <laughs> service. That's right. So while I'm on break, I may just pop in and come in and listen to you guys. I've enjoyed so much you guys said, your spirits. Y'all are wonderful leaders just by the nature of your spirits. So I know I could come to either, either one of your churches and eat good while I rest. That's right. Uh, we appreciate it, Kenny. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in and checking out. We hope this has been good for your leadership. We hope you've uh, maybe not the whole conversation hit you, but hopefully there's something you can take out and improve as a leader. So until next time, keep leading. Thanks for listening to the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast, a ministry of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. For more information on our church and all three of our locations, you can check us out at lindsaylane.org.